Hey, and welcome to Let's Talk CPF, a podcast where we bring conversations on CPF to your ears. Brought to you by the CPF Board, this podcast will answer common questions, offer tips, and feature interviews with industry experts on CPF and financial planning. Thanks for listening and let's get straight into today's episode. Welcome back to Let's Talk CPF. I'm Yitzhen from CPF Board. In this episode, we'll discuss BNPL, Buy Now, Pay Later. Singapore is catching up to the growing trend of Buy Now, Pay Later. What is it exactly? We are very honoured to have Ms Tan Hui Min, Head of Credit Counselling Singapore, an independent non-profit organisation which has helped over 30,000 individuals address their unsecured debt problems since 2004 to share with us. Hi Hui Min. Hi Yitzhen. To get things started, Hui Min, share with us about yourself and Credit Counselling Singapore. How did it get started? Okay, I'm actually a pioneer staff who has helped set up Credit Counselling Singapore in 2004. For CCS, we started, if you recall, during the late 90s, there was this issue of financial crisis. Then in the 2000-2001, there's this dot-com bus. Now, economy was bad. And when economy is bad, people's livelihood is affected. So some people face pay cuts, some people face job loss. And when people have lower pay or don't have a job, that means their financials will be in problem, right? They may have difficulties in servicing their financial commitments. And when they have difficulties in servicing their financial commitments, that means the creditors will make more phone calls to them, send chaser, and maybe even take legal actions. So the courts were inundated with a lot of lawsuits. And of course, the courts then feel that there must be an alternative way to help people to pay back and to help the creditors to collect back the money they have given. So they think maybe we can set up a credit counselling agency to help both the creditors and debtors to achieve a win-win situation. And that's how CCS was birthed. And we have two objectives. One is preventive. And of course, when we talk about preventive, we talk about education. So we promote responsible use of credit. It's not that we cannot borrow, but we need to borrow wisely so that we can benefit from the borrowing and not get ourselves into trouble. And that will be through education. The other is remedial. There will be people who are already in debt for one reason or another and they need to get out of debt, what we do is that we provide information to help them to understand what to do, what not to do when they have that problem. Mm, those are very important work that you do, actually. So with this growing trend of buy now, pay later, what is it about? Is it something that we should concern about? How is it different from previous payment? Frankly speaking, buy now, pay later is actually not exactly a new idea because when we use credit card to make purchases, same thing. I buy now, but I pay later when the bills come, mm. okay? Or installment payment, like you buy a fridge, you split over 12 months to pay for the fridge. And of course, I mean, drivers will be familiar, you know, when you buy a car, a lot of us would have Mortgages. taken a loan mm. and the loan will last for easily five years to seven years. So it's still buy now, pay later. The difference is this, for buy now, pay later, the current in thing, it is available to young people who are perhaps not even working. For example, if I were to apply for a credit card, I do need to prove that I earn a certain level of income. To buy now, pay later on the platform, I don't think they require me to show my income statement. And it allows a young person of 18 to sign up for it. There are so many consumer goods products available through this platform. So there are many things you can buy now, pay later. I suppose many of the purchases 
may not be out of necessity. Mm. So it's, it could be... Latest uh, gadgets. Yes, mm. yes. It's just something that is more like a discretionary type of spending or maybe there's so many things, so easy to make the purchases. It could also make people who are compulsive spender <laughs> to spend even more money. Uh, yeah. So that's one of the cons for buy now, pay later. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. What would you say is the pros and cons of this new way of payment? It is another payment arrangement. So it's good for a consumer, right? I don't have to pay now. I can stretch it out. So it may ease my cash flow. Another thing is that because they are mostly using cards to make payments. So in other words, I don't have to carry a lot of cash with me. Yeah, I suppose these are the pros, you know. And then, of course, if I were to stay at home, I still can browse and look at so many different things and make the purchases that I need. But the cons will be, like I said, because it's so convenient. I believe a lot of times the spending could be just discretionary. So we may spend more than what we plan to. And we may buy a lot more things that we don't need, meaning waste. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But I think the more important point is that we may spend beyond our means. Now, for example, when I see an item that costs $300 and the platform allow me to stretch over three installments. Without now, interest some more. Uh, right? Without interest, yes. And if you ask me to buy something $300 up from, I may, uh, may not really want to make the purchase. But now you tell me, hey, $100, I can get the thing ready. I may be more willing. There's a false sense of affordability. But don't forget, if I pay 100 now, there are $200 outstanding that I need to make payment in the subsequent two months. But if I have no control, I got no budget in mind, I just happy, happy shop, and then I go and see another platform, I see another thing that is $50, which is, again, seems affordable. But I may forgot that I may still have $100 outstanding for this item. So if you add up, in the second month or third month, my money installment could be Snowball. a few hundred dollars. Mm, okay? Yes. Then the question is, do I have the funds to pay? Now, for a young person, pocket money may be $300 a month. If you make a couple of commitments that add up to $100 or even half of his pocket money, then he may not have enough money for the whole month of mm. his own going to school, transportation and food. And that could be an issue. Even for working adults, same thing. If I do not set up a budget, but I'm thinking that I can afford to, I may have bought so much and committed so much that I may not have enough money to pay for my living expenses, my mm. necessities. Mm -hmm. And if I have used my credit card to make the purchases, and because credit card, of course, come with a credit line, right? That means I may chalk up debts that will attract interest because mm. I use a credit card to pay. And if I do not pay off my credit card bills at the end of the month, whatever balance outstanding, it will attract interest. And if I do not monitor... After a while, it may come to a point of time that I may not be even able to pay the minimum payment. Mm. So it will really become a debt problem. This is a potential risk of buying now, pay later with no proper planning. So in a sense, because of the flexibility, like you mentioned, mm. it could change our purchasing behaviours and cause us to be more at risk mm. in falling to debt. Just out of curiosity, because we know that quite a number of the BNPL platforms do set a limit. Mm. Like, you know, if you were not be able to pay back, then they may bar you from using their surfaces and mm. stuff like that. Do you think all this mitigation will help a bit at least? I suppose it does help a bit, but my understanding is that there are like eight platforms. Mm. So if you purchase from each of them, you would have made eight commitments, you know. Another way that we can say is this, I pay late or I did not make payment. So this platform number one bar me. I mean, there's still a few platforms that I can continue to make purchases. It is okay to go and shop. It's fine. But you need to know 
how much can you afford to shop per month. So if you have a shopping budget, that would be good. That is the first step. Lah, okay? Now, if you have a shopping budget of, let's say, for a working adults, ah, someone who started work not too long ago, you know, have a lot of free money because not much financial commitment yet. So let's say the shopping budget is 200 Then you have to be mindful. If I already signed up for installment payment of 100 this month, that means next month, my shopping budget will not be 200 anymore because I have an installment to pay, which is $100. So my shopping budget should be only 200 minus 100 that will be 100 it's a, something that if I have a budget, I spend within it, I keep track of the installment payment I have signed up, how many installments and when is it going to be completed, then it's fine. If you monitor what I'm trying to say. And yes. it's not easy when there's like eight platforms of buy now, pay later, right? I have credit card, lah, I got eight different platforms to track. Yes, oh, yes, that's yes. so easy to yes. just yeah lose yeah. sight of it. I mean, of course, you can say that you have a spreadsheet keeping track of it. Okay, fine. I mean, again, you know, it's individual. Some people are very good with keeping very complex type of tracking and things like that. But if you are like me, just an average consumer, I think it is advisable to stick to just one or two platforms. It's easier to manage. You won't lose count. You won't get confused, you know. You won't miss out payment because there will be penalty when you miss payment. An item that maybe is cost $60 when you purchase and supposed to pay $20 per month and because you miss payment, you may end up paying Pay more. M- much more, you know, because mm-hmm. the payment penalty can be from $1, based on what I understand, to 25% of the item's purchase price. So it's not buy now, pay later. It becomes buy now, pay more later. Yes, yeah. yes, correct, <laughs> okay, correct. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> I see, I see. So now that we are talking about budgeting, right? So to be honest, actually, me, myself, I started budgeting quite late. La. I think the earliest part of my youth, uh, I just spend my <laughs> business. I, I think most people uh, are like that. I yeah. think so. So, yeah. so if I want to get started on it, mm-hmm. what might be a easy and not so scary way to kick start? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. First of all, I need to say this, okay? A lot of times when we mention the word budget, people think that oh my goodness, like going on the diet. And it's just no fun. It's just that you can't do this, you can't do that. But frankly speaking, it's not true. Budget is actually your way of deciding where your money goes to. You are the master of your money. You decide where they go to. Since you're in control, you can decide to say, okay, I would like to set aside a sum of money for long-term saving, maybe a sum of money for specific goal saving, and a sum of money for fun. Oh, for fun. Oh. Yeah, for fun. That means you chop your money up into different portions. Uh-huh. Okay, there are things that must do one. Pay yourself first, which is the saving portion. Then there's a very important thing. Uh, filial piety. Uh, <laughs> you know, give your parents a sum of money be it whether they need it or not, that's beside the point, you know, it's your way of showing filial piety. Then, of course, you need to take care of your necessities. The necessity could include very important things like your insurance premium. It could also be daily expenses like transportation, meals at work, perhaps outing with friends and all this thing. Yeah, you just set aside, that's all. So for those of us who like to shop, we just need to say that, okay, out of my salary, after taking care of my long-term, my parent's allowance, my necessity, important things like insurance premium and what have you, okay, my phone bills and what have you, how much can I put aside for shopping? And if assuming my shopping money per month, is let's say $200. I can buy anything I want, okay, with $200. So when it comes to buy now, pay later, if I purchase an item that costs me $300, just remember, this month, I sign up installment plan of $100. That means next month, 
my shopping money is 200 minus the 100, right? Because I have signed up an installment plan. If I take note of that, I'm mindful, I keep track of it, then it is less likely that I'm going to overspend. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Huimi. That is a very good tip. At least then I am not working with like, well, I have to keep track of so many spending. I'm actually keeping track of spending within a very fixed budget, which is actually a smaller amount to work with. Yes, yeah, yes, that's, yes. That's much easier. I, I, I think it's good that when you receive your salary, arrange for standing instruction or gyro payment. That sum of money that will go for long-term saving. The sum of money that will go for your parental allowance. The sum of money that you need to pay for important things like your insurance premium, like your phone bill, whatever, you know. Then whatever you left with, uh, it's up to you to spend, no? You don't have to make it very complicated, mm. all right? Just make sure that if you do have a credit card, every month the credit card bill will be paid in full, mm. all right? And if you start seeing there's an outstanding, uh, it's time for you to quickly take stock already. Mm. Why? Why is there an outstanding that you cannot pay in full? That means you probably overspend somehow. You may have to then try to pay off that outstanding ASAP before you start using your credit card again. This is to avoid paying the interest incurred on the credit card, late fee, right? And worse still, uh, when the credit card outstanding just keep creeping up to the extent that you can't even service the minimum payment, uh, that will be really, really problematic. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Wei Min. You gave us some idea today of what is buy now, pay later. Mm-hmm. And also some food for thought, la, particularly for young consumers, parents of young consumers, or just consumers in general, yes, la, yes. right? Mm-hmm. The importance of budgeting yes. and also keeping track of our spending. Yes, la. Yes. So before we go, right, do you have mm-hmm. any last advice for our listeners? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a few that I would like to share. Three things, okay? First, set up a gyro arrangement to pay yourself first, meaning make sure that you have savings, all right? Second, if you were to use credit card, make sure you pay off your full credit card outstanding on time every month. And third, have a budget so that you know where you want your money goes to, okay? And then monitor to make sure you are actually spending within your budget to ensure that you do not chalk up unnecessary debts and you are reaching your goals also. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. And with that, we have come to the end of today's episode of Let's Talk CPF. Before you go, we would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or comments at podcast at cpf.gov.sg so we can create better content for you. You can also leave us a review on the platform you're listening from to help others learn about our podcast. For the latest news, visit cpf.gov.sg slash podcast or follow our social media pages. Thank you once again. Until the next time, let's talk CPF.